And praise the Lord. It's a, it's a joy to be with you this morning. Just as we were. Praise God for our worship team, aren't they? Aren't they wonderful? And uh, some of those songs were, were like sermons in themselves, weren't they? They were prayers. Praise God for our, the, our elders. Thank you for Norbert. And our elders are, 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 are gifts to us. They're part of the, they don't just support the leadership, they are the leadership of the church. And uh, we should thank God for them and, uh, and pray for them. As we were worshipping, I, I, this is nothing about what I'm going to talk about. I just felt the Lord saying that, that for those of us, there are people here this morning with besetting problems. Besetting problems, they're in a sense all consuming. You wake up and they're there, you go to bed and they're there. And that God wants to do something this morning. That you'd actually, I get this picture of seeing through the problem, seeing the Lord. Yeah? That you see the Lord just where you are. And I don't know, I can't prescribe what that means or what it, it, it how that affects you. But that it will. I want to thank uh, Anne and Jackie for, for yesterday and the um, the day that was spent in praying for the persecuted church. It was for those of us that were able to make it. It was an absolutely amazing um, opportunity, and a huge amount of work went into that. And so, I thank you both, and look to next year, Lord willing. Um, that, that Anne and, and Jackie lead a, a monthly prayer meeting. The next one is um, on the 9th of December, 10 o'clock, 10 to 11, on the Saturday the 9th of December at Jackie's home, 12 Lisa Crow's Close, and you're really welcome to go there. There's a, a, just a, a bit of the, um, the presentation is out in the, the foyer, there's two tables there with a the world map, and you just pictorially you'll see the extent of of those countries that are suffering through persecution, and there's an opportunity to take some prayer material and also sign a petition. So if you've got time, when you've got your tea and coffee, you could mosey out there and uh, yeah, have a have a look. Now it's it's down to me and Robert here. Are we sort of there? Yeah. The the print does get bigger. It's not like some of Alan's presentations when the print gets smaller. Yeah. Um, when we make decisions about figures, you know, I, I bring my binoculars next time, Alan. You're not going to get away with it every time, but, <laughs> but praise God. But, uh, so if you're struggling with, the, with the seeing that, um, I'm sorry. Shall we pray? Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for your amazing goodness and love. We thank you that you want to bring understanding to our lives. And Father, you want us to to know, Father, your purposes and your way. You want us to be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. You want us, Father, to know through what you've, you've told us would happen, Father, that we're not taken by surprise. That when we've done everything, we can stand praying. So, Father, would you speak to us, speak to me, speak through me. 
that your name may be glorified. Amen. Understanding uh, determines how we we pray. Um, you must just excuse me just for a moment. Get some papers in order. Yeah, sometimes we can we can pray the right sort of prayers, but unless we understand God's will, we understand His purposes. We understand what he's told us. Then we can pray according to his will. So understanding determines how we pray. And some of the open door material that I I looked at yesterday um, gave five points in how to pray. Hey, it works. Hey, Robert, we're in business. This is how we're instructed to pray. Pray that whatever the circumstances, God will give persecuted Christians the right words. Now you could, for your own circumstances, you could replace persecuted Christians with Christians, but we're thinking particularly of persecuted Christians. But the first thing to pray, pray that God will give them the right words because they are witnesses. Yeah. Secondly, Pray that persecuted Christians will understand and find peace in suffering through God's grace, even in their weakness. So the second thing is that they'll find peace in their suffering through God's grace in their weakness. The third thing. Is that the third thing? Isn't it? Yeah. Pray for Christians facing hardship will draw from a source of power greater than themselves. The fourth thing, pray that Christians will be aware of God's presence in their hardship, protecting them according to their will, or his will rather. And lastly, pray that their witness will inspire those who seek him to know him. Not once was it mentioned about deliverance. Not once was there a, a, a thing about take away the persecution. And again, yesterday when we came late in the evening, I read this about North Korea is, is one of the, the hardest places to be a Christian. It's where persecution is, is greatest where people could be sent to labor camps just for professing the name of Christ. People can get killed and murdered. And that this is a, a, a man who spent a lot of time in Korea and working with the underground church in Korea. And he says, and we should pray for the North Korean leadership the way North Koreans underground pray. I have never encountered a North Korean Christian who has prayed for the regime to be overthrown. Never. Not once in 15 years. Underground Christians are praying that Kim Jong-un will come to know Christ. If you think of that, it's, uh, it's amazing, and, and perhaps if you just take that to your own life and the, the, the troubles that you're facing, 
Often we'll pray, Lord, deliver me. Lord, take me out of the fire. When maybe God wants to do something in the fire, through the fire, yeah, something wonderful that's even greater. Now some big print. We need to understand the very nature of persecution. And this morning I just want to spend a little time thinking of under three headings. The nature of the contention we face, the present reality, and the future expectation. The nature of what this is all about, what persecution is about, the present reality in which we live and something of history and the future expectation. The nature of contention. Now sometimes things only get tested under pressure. The tensile strength of of metal gets tested under huge pressure. Faith, your faith, gets tested under pressure. And you have to understand that this is a spiritual battle that we face and that it's been foretold. And in this, God's looking for a special kind of Christian that would face reality, that would be a great courage and joy, and that could pass through the fire that Norbert was praying about, knowing that the ultimate victory is ours. Hallelujah. Understand the nature of contention. It's a spiritual battle against one termed in Scripture as an adversary, one who opposes and resists the kingdom of God continually. He just doesn't do it in the countries that have got little flags on a map outside. He does it here and he's doing it in your life. There is contention whether you know it or not. Whether you appropriate it to the the, the source. There is one who's an accuser of the brethren. There's a one who's father of lies. There's one that Jesus terms as the prince of this world. Whose philosophies of this world that are at work, whether they are are secularism, whether they are liberalization, with the ethos of this world and all its material values. There's a battle against the flesh, your flesh. And there are some things now in our society, Satan, who sort of airbrushed out of the Christian vocabulary. As people who mention Satan, think about a, a, a personal devil, will be think to be a, a bit prehistoric in their, in their thinking. Who are not enlightened, who think this was just something that, that early Christians sort of uh, 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 got into their reasoning because they didn't understand science and everything that's... that's Uh, philosophies that have been developed. 
We live in a world in which sin maybe can't be termed as sin because we're being judgmental. We have no right, no um, right to say that there is an absolute right or wrong. We're Bible-believing people are thought as, well, you don't say it anymore. You don't term yourself as a Bible-believing person. It's because people want to discredit the Bible and that you're seen as a, as a fundamentalist. Where traditional values are under huge, huge attack. Whether it's his family life, it's marriage, it's gender. The traditional values are, are, are thought to be uh, old hat. I read some vicar who has made a comment on some blog. And he said there's such a thing as a tradphobia. You know, you get homophobia and everything else. But there's a phobia against being traditional. The things that people have stood for, for millennia and believed in. That if you stand for those, you're thought to be odd. You stand for Jesus. The nature of the contention has been foretold. We shouldn't be surprised. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 9, and it's repeated in Luke 24, verse 12, and Jesus talking about the end times. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. It was foretold. John sixteen thirty three. In the world you will have trouble. John fifteen twenty. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. I don't know if that's one of the promises you've underlined in your Bible, that you wanted to own as your own. It's true. John 16, 2. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming... When anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. I have told you this, so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you first. 2 Timothy 3.10 In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you know what the promise is? I want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. I would say that you, in your heart, want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. The promise is you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted if you stand for Jesus in this country now, today, if you truly stand for him.
just to be aware of the present reality. Seen through Jesus and the early church. The return to the apostolic church is something we want. I hear churches, I, I, when I was a pastor, I, that's the one thing. I wanted to be a church that was like the apostolic church. With growth, with mission, with a joy, with a full of the Holy, the Holy Spirit. But they were a persecuted church. Peter and John were arrested after their first miracle and they were flogged. In Acts 5.41, they rejoiced because they were worthy of suffering and disgrace for the name. So day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and preaching the good news that Jesus Christ that Jesus was the Christ, immediately after being flogged and persecuted. Acts 8, verse 1, on that day when Stephen was martyred, that was, great persecution broke out. The church was scattered. And those who had been scattered, it says, preached the word as they went. Philip was one of those. He went to Samaria and there was great revival. Paul and Silas were later um, uh, beaten and put in a dungeon in Acts 15. Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, uh, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the, the, the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and were put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goats, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. This is the word of God. These are people that love Jesus. Well, these was before Jesus came, but they love God. Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry in our bodies the death of Jesus. He knew what it was to share in the fellowship of Christ's suffering. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. 
for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. This wasn't just the church, this was Jesus. Jesus was, they wanted to throw him off a cliff, they wanted to kill him. They mocked him, they ridiculed him, they beat him, they crucified him. Matthew 5. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's been through the ages. You know, there's more. Christians that have been martyred this century than any before. Nor mentioned some. In Iraq and Syria, they've been decimated. The ISIS, have, the, the, the Christians have been murdered and raped and abducted. Kids as young as nine or ten. They're deprived of aid. I remember seeing a video that was sent me of 21 Coptic Christians in Libya who were led out by men in uh, with orange jumpsuits, all made to kneel down. And uh, their throats were cut. None of them shouted. They were all praying as it happened. In Iran, there's great persecution, but there's a revival at the moment. In India, through radical Hindu nationalism. Again, I, I, I read recently of a story where a man was giving out tracts. He was told to stop. He didn't. And they took him away and chopped off his hands. That's your world and my world for people who stood for the faith. The one who laid down his life for us expects us to lay down our lives for him. In Pakistan, draconian blasphemy laws, mob violence. In Sudan, Sharia law. They demolish churches, they bomb Christian communities. In Nigeria, I read this story again last night. This woman lost her husband through a Fellaini militia attack on her village. She failed to keep her children safe, but her husband had stayed behind to defend what they had. Seized with a powerful feeling that he'd been killed, Godio rang his mobile, which was answered by the man who shot him, a man she knew. She has lost everything and must now try and provide for her children. That's our world. 
as our brothers and sisters in China and North Korea, the most repressive. The people that just love Jesus. People that are the sort of this world. It's you and me. Do you know that this attack is against our faith? You may not feel that you're persecuted and we're not in the way these are, but we are. There's insidious attacks on your faith to stop you believing, to stop you witnessing, to stop you praying. It's an onslaught. And what's the future expectation? John sixteen thirty three says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Hallelujah. That you may have peace in amongst all these things. In this world you will have trouble. It doesn't end there. It says, so, so take heart. What heart? I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. There is one we believe in who has overcome. There is one that is beyond and above. There is one who is closer than a brother. Remember that passage in, in Luke 22 when uh, when, when uh, Peter sees himself as a bit of a big shot and uh, <laughs> Jesus calls him and says, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked that you be sifted as wheat. Satan's saying, you're nothing, Peter. When you're tossed up in the air, you're going to blow away. You're all chaff. There's nothing in you. And Jesus says, but Peter, I have prayed that your faith will not fail. And when you come through this, you will strengthen the brethren. There is one praying for you. There is one praying for me. There's one praying for every persecuted Christian that their faith will not fail. There's one praying that you'll come through the fire that you face now with victory because of him. That your faith won't fail. You know, we, we know the end of the story. In Revelations chapter 12, perhaps if you have a Bible, you could just... Um, I'll just uh, read a little passage. Revelation 12 talks about a war in heaven and uh, it talks about hell on earth as well. When Satan is cast to this earth. And verse 7 in Revelation 12, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was not strong enough. There is one mightier. 
There is one greater. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ. For the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him. This is it. This is what I want to end with. They overcame him. You're called to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. You're not called to be overcome. You became a follower of Jesus to overcome. That he made you a victor. You're going to be part of that procession. That triumphal procession. When captivity is led captive. The spoils of the victory of the cross will be made known to everyone. Hallelujah. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and all who dwell in them. Hallelujah. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That you're redeemed through the blood. You're justified through the blood. Condemnation has been removed from above you by the blood. You've been washed clean of everything through the blood. You be made righteous through the blood. Hallelujah. You've got a cleansed conscience because of the blood. You triumphed. And you are more than a conqueror because of the blood. You have eternal life because of the blood. Death has lost its sting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Death has lost its sting. It's lost its power over you because of the blood of Jesus. The grave no longer cries out victory because of the blood of Jesus. You will reign with Christ. Glory. Because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. They overcame him because of the blood. They pleaded the blood. They knew the power of the blood. Sickness will never conquer me. Because of the blood. And the word of their testimony. The power of the confessed word. That word becomes powerful when we test it, when it becomes a personal reality. When I, bring, I apply it to myself, the word of God, I own it. Satan can do nothing 
two-edged sword that you've been given that dispels lies and deception, that shines in the darkness. No matter how dark the place gets, the light shines brighter. That brings hope, that gives you courage, that in the end you refuse to deny Christ. Oops. up with myself and lastly they love not their lives to death they love Jesus more than their lives for me to live Paul would write is Christ but to die is gain he was there For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He endured the suffering because he saw through the cross. And he saw you and me become lovers of Jesus. Paul could see beyond the suffering, beyond death. That heaven's your home. Why fear death when it becomes a door into the greater presence of Jesus? Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. What looked like defeat becomes victory. On the cross on that Good Friday... It looked like it was over, but it wasn't because Sundays are coming. There's a Sunday coming for you. It's Friday, but there's a Sunday coming. It may look like death, but there's a resurrection. There's something beyond, and there's something in the place where you are. We often say to prisoners when we go there, we come to bring deliverance in prison while you're in it, before you get out of it. And you can know it just now, just where you are. Jesus would say you gain life by losing it. When you lay it all down for Jesus. And again, a crown. In Romans 6, talking of baptism, Paul says, we died with Christ. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. Glory. Glory. I remember... Just as a young Christian, when the, the, the North Korea, when they were persecuting Christians, I remember a story that's never left my mind of a family that was told that they needed to deny Christ or they'd die. 
and they were put in a pit, husband and wife, and uh, I don't know how many children, I think it was a couple of children. And they both said, you deny Christ? They said, no, I won't, he was a pastor. And they started filling the pit up with earth. And of course, the children were a lot shorter than the father. And they were first to be buried. And they sang hymns as they all gave their life to Christ. I mean, how, how much faith is that? They knew beyond the grave. They knew the next thing they would see, they would be welcomed by Jesus. And he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here's a crown. This man, his name is Pastor Emmanuel. I first met him in 2005. I was a pastor taking a pastor's conference and he was brought up by his 13-year-old daughter after, because he was blind. Just a, a year or so before, he was preaching in a village and some Hindu fundamentalists told him to stop preaching. He wouldn't stop, and so with with arrowheads they gouged his eyes out. And he was totally blinded. Three months later he went back to the same village, Pastor Emmanuel. And he began preaching again. Blind this time. And when we went to his, his village, he's got a church there now. He holds, the village is only 750 people. He holds a monthly um, prayer meeting for healing on Thursday. And a thousand people come to it. He is the most amazing man of God that I've been privileged to meet. And he came forward and asked me to pray for him. And I couldn't. I just got on my knees before him and said, pray for me. Pray for me. There's um. I want to close with this. This Egyptian pastor, again, it was in the material that was around yesterday. Please don't pray for us. Pray with us. Pray that when the inevitable persecution comes, we will not run away. Pray that we will be faithful, even if it costs us our lives. Could you pray that prayer for yourself?
Maybe it won't cost us our lives. But that we'll be faithful to God when confronted with a threat. I return to where I started. That there are some of us that maybe are are facing huge issues in our lives. There's one praying in heaven and his name is Jesus. And he's praying that your faith would not fail. Be strong. Persevere. And through the blood of Jesus, the power of your testimony and not loving your life unto death, that you have the victory. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong. Be strong. Father, we thank you for for Lord that the Lord that nothing should take us by surprise. We ask now, Father, for a filling of your Holy Spirit that would enable us to be of good courage and to believe despite the things we see, the things we feel, and the things we're going through. For the victory is yours and therefore it is ours through Christ Jesus. Amen. May God bless you. Can I just say, if anyone does want prayer, there'll be some people sitting in the corner afterwards. Yeah, so please don't go without being prayed for. Thank you.